Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under here with Sammy. How are we going, Sammy? Ah, oh, we're straight into it. I thought I thought you were going to give me a little bit more foreplay. Uh, no, I'm yeah, going good. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's um, it's been a long weekend where I am, so it's been a lot of just wandering around the house at three a.m. It's been a lot of um, just kind of aimlessly contemplating my own existence because I didn't really care too much for the grand final because why care about the grand final when there's Fulham to talk about, which is what we're here to do today. Exactly right. Yeah, I was going to jump into you, but then I thought it's been it, it's been a while actually since we podcasted and. Um, one of the main reasons for that, obviously, with this game on the Monday and everything happening in Australia with the grand final this weekend, which is our uh, climax of the Australian football season. So it's it's been a busy one, uh, public holiday for you. And obviously with Elton away as well, we decided to just take a little bit of a break. Well, I say a little bit of a break. It's literally a day extra break. And um, yeah, basically take some time before we podcast and talk about the Chelsea game coming up. Sammy. You constantly go on about your, um, I was going to say hatred for Chelsea, but let's not go that far. Your intense disliking of Chelsea. Uh, We've got them this weekend. Uh, It's a Monday night game at the Cottage. Doesn't it just feel like the best possible time to be playing Chelsea at the moment? It is. It is. Um, I and and I will. I will put on the record. I do hate Chelsea. I I hate them genuinely more than their other team. I know. I know you can make um, claims for QPR and Brentford being our our rivals, but what you got to understand is when you live in Australia, um, the 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 sycophancy for the top teams is at an all time high. So I know so many Chelsea supporters. I know so many Chelsea friends who um, just belittle us as Fulham. It's a very like little brother complex. And as a little brother, I it, it, it boils my blood to like a different level because I'm just so familiar with it. It's shades of um, professional wrestling with you on the champ- trampoline and me just never winning because you just outweighed me by like 50 kilos at that time. Um, uh, and you know what? It, it's, it sings in Chelsea, so I hate them. It is a great time to be playing them. I watch um the I watch the highlights of the Brighton game as well. They they're very wasteful at the moment. Their club is arguably in disarray more so than any other club in the league right now. It's um it could be wonderful. It just depends on how we're going to play, what we're going to do, how Silver's going to approach this. But I mean, I can pretty much guarantee we're going to come in swinging way more than Chelsea are, and so I am salivating. Love it. Love this stuff. Yeah, it's it. I think you're right. It really does feel like um, you know Chelsea have been very wasteful recently. I think that's a good way to put it because they're not a bad side. We have to look at the quality they've got, man for man. They should be doing a lot better, but they get into good positions and and just unable to finish. They're they're kind of hampered by some pretty bad injuries at the moment. They'll be missing mm-hmm. Ben Chilwell this weekend. Uh, Nkunku's probably out till December. Um, uh, Nicholas Jackson is out suspended for this game as well. Reese James is likely to be missing. Yeah. Um, Trevor Chalobah is out. Um, Badia Shile is probably out. Like it's, it's, it, it's pretty bad when you look at mm. Chelsea's injuries. I, I know we, we look at our injuries sometimes and, think it's not great when you've got Sasa Lukic potentially missing a game. Kenny Tete probably going to miss this one as well. 
um, Adama Traore may be out. And we look at that and go, geez, that really affects us. But Chelsea probably should have a little bit more depth than that as well. Uh, I don't think they can really use as as an excuse when you're one of those sides in the top six or so, and you're a side that has spent a billion pounds in the last, yeah. what, two years or so? Really, there's no excuses for, for Chelsea being in the position they're currently in at the moment, and Man United as well, for that matter. So yeah. um, it's it's an interesting one where... I feel like, yes, Chelsea are not performing very well at the moment, but there's all it's always sort of bubbling in the background that they could just all of a sudden bring it together. And, and I don't really know if they're almost too far gone and too broken to actually bring it back. It's, a, it's actually a really good point that you make, whether they're too far gone or not, because um, uh, Man United is actually a really good example or a really good equivalent because Man United have been rocked by um, some various scandals, some poor management. But I do think that there is a lot more cohesion in that team. Like you have um, Bruno Fernandes, you've still got um, Rashford, um, uh, you've still got, I mean, for everyone criticizing... Um, uh, people like Harry Maguire, they actually still have a relatively solid back line and they have at least a foundation. I don't know what Chelsea's foundation is at this point. I mean, Conor Gallagher has been captaining recently, which is odd. That's a very, very odd move. Um, and I feel like that just screams like the, whatever identity Chelsea had before has really just completely dissipated. Um, with Abramovich leaving, and obviously they had no control over that. And I feel like um, they they actually, they, I mean, you, they have a lot of injuries, but they have so much depth. They've created a lot of space in that squad in theory to actually give players more time um, by selling half their squad literally to Saudi Arabia. Um, and one one thing that I can say is a real strength for us is you know, we, we're struggling with our end result right now. But if you look at the wasteful chances that Chelsea created in, I'd say maybe even like their last four games, if you compare that to us, it gives me a lot of confidence um, going forward. Um, uh, really, really, it just, it feels like the exact same narrative as last time, you know, because um, we went into the the game with like a lot of hope at the cottage and all we needed was Vinicius to score, and he did, and it was amazing. It was one of the best days of my life. Um, uh, but in this round, I, in this time, I think we're there's a lot more pressure on um, Jimenez because I think we can actually safely say that in terms of what our squad is, every we know everyone's going to do their part. We know that chances are going to be created. Now we just need that end result and for us to essentially... Um, withstand that pressure or probably more accurately we need Jimenez to uh, deal with that pressure and I it, it'll be amazing if I see it uh, but at this at this stage I just, just don't fully know you know it's an interesting little comparison you make there where we talk about you know Fulham could potentially be seen as fractionally wasteful I don't think so quite but it's almost on the same mm. sort of level where we're looking at Jimenez and going, geez, we, we really just want him to get on the score sheet. And we, we do feel like we're maybe struggling a little bit for goals at the moment. Um, and Chelsea in, in a same fashion. I mean, looking at their recent fixtures in the league, at least, they played Villa, Bournemouth and Forest in September and didn't score a goal and picked up just the one point. Um, mm. If you take out the Luton game where they won 3-0, they've, they've scored two goals in five Premier League games so far this season. 
And they um, have and they have the second highest XG apparently. One of my Chelsea friends oh, told me. Is that right? That. Yeah, second highest XG and uh, I mean if you like I'm um, sorry to cut you off but um that just like a word came to my mind and it's just uh desire. I feel that Chelsea really lack desire at the moment. Like I don't I don't really know what their team stands for. Like I don't know who they're standing for or why they're playing. I know why we're playing. Um and I I I think we still have desire. We still have um, a want to get that goal. You can see it in Jimenez. He's trying so hard. He's trying so hard to get it. So oh, it's a story. You know I love a story, and it's a story. So, I mean, you've, you've mentioned Jimenez a few times. Let's chat about the potential Fulham lineup. Do you believe that Silva's going to stick with Jimenez then, or do you think we're going to see Vinny come back into the side, especially after the way he played last time we took on Chelsea as well? Mm. Look, I know what I would do. Um, rightly or wrongly, I think I would start with Vinicius. And to be honest, I'd probably take him off at about 65 to then give uh, him and his rest of the game to maybe do something. I think um, Silva's going to stick with the plan and go with Jimenez. Whether that's the right move or not, I... I'm opening that to a discussion with my brother, you know, just, just let's, let's spitball on that because I, it could, this, this genuinely could be the game where it all turns around. I think it's the, I think it's important enough. It's the exact same game that everything turned around for Vinicius. So why, why can't it turn around for Jimenez? It's, it's, it's unfair amount of pressure for him, isn't it? Because he, he, he shouldn't have to, um, live up to this moment, but I feel like it's a little bit make or break for him. Like if he doesn't score here um, uh, with Chelsea on the ropes, and everything could be it, it, it could be um, so. Um, oh, what, what's even the word? It could be so celebra- celebratory. You know, it could be so amazing for him and so amazing for his confidence. Because I mean. Oh, like anyone who scores a winner against Chelsea who plays for Fulham is a cult hero. And he just really needs it. I just really want it for him, you know? It's it's interesting how you say we, you know, this is, we got we got to sort of go, if he doesn't score here, then where do you go next? And you give him another crack and, and say, you know, this is your try, time to do it and give him one more outing and, and try and get that goal out of him. But Sorry, I feel like we've we've said that maybe three times already in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, this is and officially kinda... my last. This is officially my yeah. last bounce. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It kind of has to reach a point at some point where you just go, okay, I, I get that we're backing the striker in fully and we're putting all our faith in him and he's our man and we're sticking with him. But if he's not scoring goals, how long do you actually stick with someone? Uh, you um, stick with someone and... until the end of the Chelsea game. <laughs> Well, and and the problem is, Vinny has got. I think he's got two goals now so far yeah. this season. If you count his FA Cup goal as well, um, and and he's purely come off the bench, and he wasn't even favoured off the bench. I mean, we had Muniz coming on in front of him early season as well. So I, I just feel like it's it's getting to that tipping point now where I, I understand Sil, and and I also applaud Silver for having that much faith in a player, and I, I agree that Jimenez is doing some of the right things. He's getting in the right positions. We saw it against Palace. He had a couple of really good chances. And on another day, those go in and we're not having this conversation and we're backing Jimenez in just as much. But 
I, I just I think I'd like to see Vinny against Chelsea. Um, mm. uh, I you know a, a comment here from Black, White, and Fred on our live stream saying Vinny starts goals per minute is more important. Even if he bags one, we can keep Chelsea out. I think, and I, I agree with that as well. We've also mm. got um, Elton on the live stream joining us from far north WA. Um, I, I think Vinny scoring more than one goal off the bench or starting, and that's end of the uh, end of the project until Vinny dries up. Um, yeah. So I think what what Dad's trying to say there basically is that you know if if um, Vinny comes in to the side and, and scores a goal, you just have to you have to pick Vinny at that point. I mean, mm. that's exactly what you want from your backup striker is to be pushing your starting striker and mm. you know basically saying to the manager. I can do this. Pick me. I'm I'm a better option here. And Vinny's doing everything right. And I, I think, you know, it could reach the point where there's a little bit of dis- discontent um, if if Silva doesn't start picking Vinicius. Because what more do you do as a striker? Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, all, all the team want is for <laughs> Fulham to be picking up points and winning games. But mm. you know, strikers love scoring goals, and we see it whenever Vinny puts the ball in the back of the net. He absolutely froths it and I, I think it's it would actually start to affect him a little bit just sort of sitting there going what more do I need to do to get us get a start I it mean is, you know you know yeah. he loves goals so much as well when you saw him nick that one against uh, Norwich on the line which he definitely should have left for a Wobie to mm. to claim the goal but um go, go on Sam what were you gonna say well I th- I no I think um I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Norwich game because I did want I did want to briefly discuss it and look, I, I I haven't seen the full game I won't I won't claim that I have but I did see the highlights and I feel like the highlights gave me enough of a picture to show me why I think um, Silva isn't necessarily starting uh, Vinicius because I, I I I don't think it's that much of a discussion that Jimenez is the better player, um, uh, but because uh, Vinicius did miss some pretty easy chances that uh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because I would love to fully back uh, Jimenez in this argument and say, well, if Jimenez was playing then he probably would have got that goal but again i can't i can't confirm that i can't i can't um think if and when but it just it just felt like um uh, vinicius still isn't the full picture but he's just so much more confident at the moment and he has so much more to offer as a result of that but from a training perspective i'm sure um jimenez trained better he plays better um but Vinicius is the one that's just getting goals so then it comes down to who's the better striker the one that does everything right but doesn't get the goals or the one that um can potentially miss some chances but still gets some goals you know it's yeah it's 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 a difficult one I I if I don't really envy Silva's position on it because I feel that he anywhere he goes He's just doing it wrong until we get uh, an out and out definitive number nine that's kind of unquestionable. Uh, an interesting point from Black, White and Fred as well on our live stream here. The likes of Wilson and Willian were bagging goals. We could give Raul more time. Do you agree with that? I think so. I mean, Wilson. Wilson's a really good comparison because um, Wilson's taken a very, very long time to come back to like full strength, um, Wilson. And I think like a lot of people did write him off. And I remember there was a comparison last season between um, – Wilson and Solomon, and we were raving about Solomon, and everyone was putting um, Wilson uh, to the sword a little bit. And Wilson did come good, and he's great, and I love him in the team, whether he's starting or not. I think he's just 
such an asset and can create so much. Um, so I do, I do think this is a question of time, but um, I think with the squad that we have and everything that's happened with like the club, um, we, I almost say that we don't necessarily have the time to give to Vinicius. Um, maybe that's an unfair um, assessment by myself, but um, in if you're if you're in if you're in a scrambling kind of like period because we're desperately trying to keep Polina, we're desperately hanging out for a new striker. Do you award time for a player that isn't necessarily the best long term option, or do you just essentially? settle for lack of a better word with someone that you know isn't necessarily as good or as proficient as an actual player but can kind of come up with the result you know it's a man it's a manager's nightmare isn't it yeah well i mean we we sort of talked about it a couple of weeks ago maybe last week but um i feel like this is the season where we we almost don't need to worry too much about that new striker quite yet uh, just looking at the results over the weekend and Everton losing to Luton and we, we saw how Luton played and Bournemouth are in shocking form at the moment. They've scored five goals from their seven games. They've only got three points on the board. Burnley and Sheffield United don't look like they're improving either. Sheffield United now conceded 19 for the season so far. Burnley only scored four for the season so far. Like uh, I just feel like we there's a bit of a buffer there for us and um, as, as much as I'd love for us to bring in a striker, we're not going to do it in January. Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, of course um, not. Because the prices are going to be massively inflated. So maybe because of that, we do have that extra time to give these players and you can just sort of go, you know what? You are going to be our strikers this season between yourself, Vinny and Raul. Um, and, and so really, realistically, each of you is going to roughly get about 20 games this season. So it doesn't really matter at the moment if you're not playing because you will play. Mm. Um, and maybe that's the message that Silver is is sending out. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think I think the, the striking issues will, will continue, but I'd like to say that um, or I'd like to see them sort of change a little bit. And I think it's time for Marco to rotate. Yeah, that that was uh, that was what I was actually just about to say because um, um, it, is it is it really that healthy to have that much regular rotation within a squad, especially for your striker position? I know I know um, elite clubs can do it a little bit more because they have that flexibility. I mean, if you think about Man City, that's literally part of their game plan to rotate as much as possible. But for a side like us, I, I do think it kind of can potentially breed discontent and as we've kind of established already i don't necessarily think it's a fair amount of rotation that's going on because um jimenez is getting pretty heavily favored and vinicius is making amazing with the time that he's actually got and being allocated by silver um but it does leave you wanting more and curious as I mean, if, if Vinicius was starting every like second game, then I would probably say it's fair. But that's not necessarily the case at the moment, is it? No, but you know, I, I've yeah, I I can't tell what Silver's going to do. I think we always like like we've said a few times, we try and work out what uh, and guess what he's going to do, and and the t- team selection he's going to put forward. And I think we got it right maybe twice all season last year. Um, yeah, I don't know why he didn't start um, Jimenez against. Norwich. I felt like that was the perfect game to actually give him 
something. I think you do have to rotate though. So you no, I get uh, that. as as much as uh, I think a goal against Norwich might do something, but at the end of the day, he he did play internationals, scored goals there. Um, he played preseason and scored goals. So it's not like he's not putting the ball in the back of the net. I just, unfortunately, I don't think FA Cup goals count for that much. Like nah, in terms so. of form, when you're playing against a team who are in the championship, it like it's great to score a goal and you feel good as a striker, but it's it's not the same as breaking that Premier League duck because that's where the stat lies. It's at the, in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and so I really feel like maybe it's actually giving Jimenez a bit of a rest and not having another game where he potentially doesn't score and just saying, you know, don't stress too much about it. It'll come. And <laughs> I, I truly believe Silva's yeah. that kind of manager as well who'd just sort of be saying, don't stress, it'll come. Yeah, but it's, oh, it's got to be weighing on him. Like, don't stress, watch Vinicius score again. You know, it's just <laughs> true. Oh, poor, poor Mexican. He's just and also going, nights, isn't he? Don't stress, it'll come, even though it's not. But it will come, <laughs> I promise. Um. I mean, I respect we, we, I respect his faith, and I I understand like being a manager is a uh, is about kind of making decisions and being strong in those decisions because if you're constantly flip flopping, then it doesn't give people confidence. But I don't know. This is yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it feels a bit like that going into this game. Um, in terms of the lineup, though, I don't think we expect too much rotation. It sounds like Kenny Tete is probably not going to be available for this one. Um, so Castagna, I assume, will step in on the uh, right back. Um, in terms of the centre-back partnership, I, again, no idea what Silva's going to do here. Uh, I'd, I'd probably expect to see Raymond Diop start, but um, it, it feels like it could be a game for Bassi just to add a bit of speed and technicality. Mm. Uh, not technicality, sorry, physicality. Um, purely because I, I think when you've got players like Mudrick, Sterling potentially starting, the, these sort of tricky, quick players... Um, that's, I know Tim Ream, every time we say this is where Tim Ream's weakness is, he always just puts in a man of the match performance and completely mm. shuts us down. But I feel like in the back of Silver's head, he must be thinking to himself, there's a couple of quick strikers we're about to come up against who are nippy and get in good positions. Maybe it's the time to bring on someone with that little bit of extra physicality just to impose themselves on the game. Do you, do you expect to see many changes in defense? You know, you know, I was <clears throat> I was going to say I I'm not sure what I will see, but I know what I'd like to see, and I'd almost like to see Silver play as conservatively as possible here and maybe start um yep, start with uh Riemann Diop and then have Reed and Polina in like the middle and just do as um Basic as we know, as our tried and tested guys. The, obviously, we've discussed um, uh, uh, Jimenez and um, Vinicius, but I think if we literally play the squad almost to a T, exactly who played Chelsea last time, and then have these great options coming off the bench, I think that's a much much smarter way of like mm. going into this game because then um, we can essentially. Uh, hold off Chelsea with guys who have already played against them in the first half. And then the sec second half, we can bring in Bassi, we can bring in Awobi, we can bring in all these guys who have like this great flair and are creating these awesome possibilities in the team. That's what I'd like to see. What I am going to see, I have no idea, because Silva just, Silva just does whatever he wants, and I just don't necessarily get it. <laughs> Correct. 
Uh, interesting comment here from Black, White and Fred. And Sammy, I'm not sure if you um, saw the video that was posted up. I think it was on Twitter, but it might have been on Instagram and across the boards. But um, Bassey getting a silver FIFA card will have him fired up. That's Did rude. you see the video at all? I, I I am not sure if I have. I've seen a couple. To be honest, I've just been getting very deep into my career mode, which has been very, very, very funny. Um, uh, I've been getting very deep into that, so I haven't necessarily seen um, the stuff that's been happening. But I can imagine... They, um, I, they showed all the players their FIFA cards, which um, you know everyone, as always, expected is very unhappy about their card. Oh, I saw Willian... Yeah, Willian walked us through his card and said, you know, oh, my pace needs to go up, my shooting needs to go up, physicality needs to go up. Mm. Um, Bassie saw his card. He's he's a silver card. Um, I think I, I saw him throw it on the ground on three separate occasions because he was so unhappy <laughs> with his rating. Um, so I agree, Black, White and Fred. I think uh, Bassie will definitely be quite fired up after that. Um yeah, but a fired up Bassie. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I love, I love Bassie. I love what he's about, but I want Bassie to be as focused as possible. Because he could um, be a bit AK-47 style, just like running as yeah. a madman. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, th- I think you're right, though. Going back to what you did say, which was that we we should probably stick with stick with what we know, and mm-hmm. you know we've got a lineup there. Obviously, Tete is likely to be out, but I expect we'll see Castagna start and um, try and keep it as as sort of bog standard as possible. The mm. one thing I will suggest, though, and, and maybe put out for a point of discussion, uh, I think we'll definitely see uh, Polina and Reed in the centre. Um, hopefully, if fit, we'll see Willian and Wilson on the wings and one of Jimenez or, or Vinny up front. A bit of a question mark around Pereira, mainly because Iwobi has come in and done so well since um, since joining. He, he made a real impact in that... Um, in that Luton game and, and was a massive part in the goal. I thought he played really well against Palace as well. He had a good game against Norwich where he scored his first goal for the club and but probably should have scored both goals, to be honest, with Vinny nicking that one on the line. Mm. Pereira hasn't had a bad start to the season, but it's it's not been superb, I wouldn't say. Do you think there's the potential that Iwobi maybe gets a start against Chelsea Again, to add a bit of physicality through the middle, because in terms of um, his presence, uh, I think we're we're likely to see uh, Pereira maybe pushed off the ball a little easier than Awobi would be. Do you think maybe this is an opportunity for Awobi to come into the middle and, and ruffle some feathers? Well, I'm not sure if I 100% agree. Is my only is my only argument because and yeah, I, again, this is coming back to what I want because I. I feel that any game against Chelsea that we play, even if it's different players, it's about the mentality when you go into a game against Chelsea. Because, I mean, uh, oh, I heard a, I heard a great quote from um, Stadio the other day when it was talking about. Um, uh, I think they was talking referring to a little league game when they were talking about how um, a side was playing against the idea of a team rather than the actual team itself. And I feel that Chelsea can really rest on that when they play teams against like, like Luton or whatever, like in, in all honesty, Luton probably could have beaten them if they had essentially come at them hard because Chelsea are a bit of a shadow of their former self, but they can always, all these big teams can rely on, I am Chelsea. I am Man United. I am Arsenal. And then all it takes is 
um, not necessarily that much to break them down. You just have to go in being like, no, we are your equal. We are as good as you. Um, I feel that um, Andreas Pereira is the perfect starting um, player because he was the hero of that last game, him and Vinicius. And I think he will approach um, this game with a lot more confidence and calm than Iwobi because Iwobi has suffered from years of doubt being at Everton. And I think he's an amazing off uh, option off the bench coming in flying when um, uh, essentially Pereira's uh, had his game after about like 60, 70 minutes and then coming in and creating some stuff. Um, I don't necessarily want to put that pressure on Iwobi at the very start of the game. Um, and you know what? I could be entirely wrong about that. But for this game, I want I want battle hard and I want... I want calm, I want composure, and I also want new guys coming and trying to prove something, you know? I, I think that's a pretty good call as well, saying it will be coming off the bench is, is more impactful, and I agree with that. Like, I, I love the signing of Triore as well for the same reason. Unfortunately, he's injured. It's a it's a real shame because I think um, having someone like that coming off the bench in a game like this is, is a bit of a game changer sometimes, but... Mm. I think I've liked everything that Iwobi's given when he comes off the bench. He has pace, he has power. He's currently not afraid to shoot, which is great. Um, mm. Because I know when he was at Everton, that was probably one of his downfalls was he, he maybe didn't shoot quite so much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think having him on the bench is, is probably not the worst idea to start with. Um, and a, a point here from Black, White and Fred again, Iwobi might suffer from his flexibility as he can fill different positions uh, that the game may demand from the bench. And look, yeah. I think it's it's something that we see with um, Bobby Deckard over Reed as well. The fact that he he maybe doesn't excel in any single position and he's he's just a, a good player in multiple positions. Yeah. Because um, you can have Iwobi come on for Harrison Reed and then push on and play a little bit for a little bit more advanced. You can have him come on for Pereira. You can have him come on on either wing. You can have him come on up front, really, if you really wanted to. Like, I, I feel like he can play anywhere uh, across the sort of attacking third of the field. Well, I want him to come on when it's a stalemate. I want him to come on when mm. uh, we have essentially kind of created an environment where we are totally equal. It's completely deadlocked. And that's largely come through um, players like Pereira, players like William, who just know exactly what's going to happen. And then when they've run out of options and run out of ideas and just kind of run out of steam, you bring someone on like that who, because, and again, I mean, I can, I can speak to um, everything that he's capable of. And I think he's capable of so much, but um, at that also as well, at this stage, he doesn't know fully where he fits within the squad and I want players who know exactly where they're supposed to be. And then you can bring him on as firepower. I think I'm absolutely fine with that. But I don't necessarily want to start with him being a little bit um, tentative, a little bit unsure of his positioning and just where he fits. I want I want tried and tested. Yep, I, I think that's a pretty good call. Um, and I, I think we're also fortunate that we can go into a game with that, like a, a team, oh, such a like you said, we could almost put in the same team that we played last year against Chelsea, which is is great. I, I know Kenny Tete is, is potentially an out. Um, Silver did say he still needs to be uh, assessed. Um, 
a few people in the comments on the live stream mentioning that Bassey did go off injured against Norwich. Uh, I had a look at uh, Peter, um, the uh, the presser from Marco Silva, uh, which I think took place yesterday, maybe even the day before. And Silva didn't actually mention uh, the Bassey injury. He mentioned Adama and Tosin both definitely being out. Lukic will definitely be part of the match day squad. And he said uh, Tete needs uh, to be tested beforehand, but didn't mention Bassi. So I assume the injury maybe isn't quite as bad, although Bassi did have a bit of a back injury earlier in the season that he was dealing with. So maybe it was just precautionary that he got taken off just to make sure that he didn't maybe do a little bit more damage. But it doesn't look like it's going to affect his potential selection. I think realistically, though, we're going to see him in the match day squad rather than starting. Um Go on, oh, yeah, I was about to say on Sasalukic. I, I really, I really want to see Sasalukic in this game. I, I love his wiliness. I, lo- I love the way he kind of like prowls around, assesses everything. He, he's he's got so much composure. He's so calm. This is this is a game where I don't want overexcitement until maybe like the last twenty minutes. I I want to see. I want I want to see stoicism. I want to see. I want to see um, not necessarily like meandering, but I just want to see um, like collectedness. I want to see, I want to see Polina hurting people, but all of us just kind of playing our game exactly the way we do it, and just mentally, mentally breaking down this Chelsea squad because I think it's so easy to break down mentally because they're just not a unit, and I think we are a unit, and that union, uh, we're a unit, um, uh, and we could be a union. Why not? Uh yeah, I, this is oh I, just, I, just, I hate I hate the Chelsea game because I just want to see it. I like I like speculating about it, but I just want to see this game. I just want to get it over and done with because it's just going to annoy me until it's done. Anyway, oh you're on mute again, but that's okay. You're on mute again. Whoopsie Daisy for those overseas, uh, us here in Australia, the game kicks off Tuesday morning. It's a three a.m. kickoff here in WA. 6 a.m. for the East Coast now that Daylight Savings is uh, in full flight. So just a reminder for all of our Australian fans that the game will be an hour later if you're on the East Coast. Uh, If you're over in the U.S., it's a 12 p.m. kickoff uh, Pacific time, 3 p.m. kickoff Eastern time. So that's an 8 p.m. kickoff at Craven Cottage against Chelsea. Um, Sammy, we've touched on it a few times, but let's actually talk about the Norwich game. Uh, A win in the Carabao Cup sees us through to, I think it's the fifth round of the Cup now. Um, Mm -hmm. And look, goals from a couple of people we've spoken about at at length so far in this episode. Vinicius tapping one in on the line. Iwobi sweeping home. A a beautiful move, actually, I thought. Um, you, You always want Fulham to play in that sort of style. The ball being zipped around on the floor finding men perfectly and then it be finishing really really well from um i think it was the edge of the box might have been just outside the box but a really a really sweet finish um norwich did pull one back but it, it did seem like a game that we closed out fairly comfortably and it probably should have been more as well um sammy happy to get a, another win in the cup Oh mate, uh, I I I've shit on the cup for years, and now I've never been more invested. You know, um, Carabelle, I'm pretty sure it's a drink. I'm about to buy three cases. Um, uh, no, I'm I'm fully I'm fully I'm fully behind it. The, um, it's really really exciting. I I don't I don't want to be a Debbie Downer in the whole situation, but I do think Vinicius could have got two, potentially even a three. Um, that's really the only criticism I have in this game because. 
Um, I think we played great. It will be hilarious. I feel that um, the goal that he scored, the borderline just looked like a bit of a through ball gone, gone wrong. He's almost at a stage where I don't even think he knows how good he actually is. So, like, I think... I think it's incredibly promising. It's it's so good to actually see us progressing in one like this because you know the the FA Cup is one thing. It has a lot of prestige. It has it has a lot behind it. But um, I feel that the Carabao Cup could be a great place for us to thrive. Um, it's an up and coming. Uh, it's her moment this year. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never been more excited about the Carabao Cup. I'm really selling it to the people. The Carabao Cup is important, guys. You know, you should you should remember the lineage and history of the Carabao Cup. I can't tell you about it because I've shit on it for years. But yeah, full them all the way. It's um well yeah I mean it's I feel like it, Carabao Cup's going to be our gateway drug to bigger trophies in the years to mm. come. Um, you know it's. It's one of those ones where we're fortunate we get a. I mean, it's not a huge competition because it's only the league clubs. Um, How dare and, you? How dare you? Well, no. I mean, what's what's great if you look at the draw, um, we've we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, Man United play Newcastle in the next round, Everton play Burnley, so a, a fairly weak Premier League team is going to go through, uh, and a fairly strong one's going to get knocked out. Bournemouth play Liverpool, Chelsea play Blackburn, Arsenal play West Ham. We've definitely copped a fairly good draw there. So we're going to mm. see one, two, th- minimum three Premier League teams get knocked out. So in the next round, uh, if all Premier League teams actually win, um, there's going to be four matches to be played and there'll be one, two, three, four, five, six Premier League teams. So there's actually a high possibility that we do get a fairly decent draw. I think everyone's crossing their fingers that... Um, we get drawn against the winner of Mansfield versus Port Vale because um, that's a pretty much a straight sets into the semi-final, you'd hope. Uh, but uh, there's also Exeter playing Middlesbrough as well, so that's a League One playing a championship side. So um, you really never know with this this competition. You get a lucky draw, and at the end of the day, if you get to the final and win it, no one remembers the draw. They just remember that you lift the trophy at the end of the season. So yeah, it does feel true. like this one's opened up really nicely for us. Um, and yeah, I mean, a game against Ipswich away. Um, I've copped a bit of flack over the last few days for saying Ipswich is in the Midlands, but you know what? I stand by it. Ipswich is definitely in the Midlands. Anything north of London counts as Midlands. Yeah, um, I think. Like, yeah, it's I, also. I sometimes say this when I meet somebody and I don't remember their name. It's not my fault you didn't make an impression on me. <laughs> That's to the, the whole of the, the whole of Ipswich or the whole, so the of, the whole Midlands against of the Midlands against us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a, a few comments though from the game, and a few people in our in our live stream as well, sort of um, saying, you know, it was it was a good performance. Castagna again played really really well. Um, a lot of people saying Bellatore though, who's come over from AC Milan on loan, he's very young, quite raw, but um, I, I think he got a lot of plaudits off the back of the game, and and maybe one to watch. And and it may be that we've actually got this amazing season where at left back as backup, we've got Bassi and Balatore who are both class players and we've got Castagna as backup at right back as well. Mm. And all of a sudden with Leno behind them and then you've got Tosin, Diop, Ream and Bassi as your centre-back options, we, we look like this really good unit. And, you know, point made again that we currently have the most clean sheets in the Premier League. I don't know if that's still true after the weekend, but... Mm. um. 
it's it's actually looking very rock solid at the back, and you you do need to build off the back of a good defence. So the fact that we're actually keeping clean sheets, which is something I think Fulham have always struggled with, and it's always been disappointing over the years where you just feel like we should be keeping more clean sheets. It's actually seeming to to come together a little bit at the moment. I'm not sure about you as well, but I think um, we've really struggled with uh, foresight for like the past couple of years. And this is in no way me bigging up the cons in anything or Tony's selections. But I do... I do think um, not necessarily uh, in the forward uh, positions as we've established because I feel that there's an awkwardness to Vinicius and Jimenez. But I do think there is a very kind of clean progression between the guys that are coming in and the guys that are already there where it feels healthier. It feels a lot more kind of... um, well thought out. I mean, you've got Bassi in as a potential replacement for Ream at some point. You've got Castagna in um, uh, working uh, towards a spot uh, that Tete currently occupies. And then you've got um, Robinson um, getting challenged now. And it it doesn't feel like um, venomous, I'm going for your spot. It feels natural. It feels healthy. And this is the way that clubs should be run if we have this in every single position across the park i think we'd be i i honestly we could probably be in a position where uh, aston villa or even brighton are like right now because that's the way it should be done um so i think i think it's tremendously positive and i i just to be honest i just really like to see it more in a less kind of clunky way than um uh our wingers have been in the past couple of seasons. Like bless, um, bless William. I love him, but we don't necessarily have a really valid um, contester of that spot that we can see in the next five years still being a part of the squad. And I, yeah, I, I really, I really like what's happening at the back. And Leno is amazing as well. Well, interesting points you made there, and it actually. I'm sure accidentally leads perfectly into what we're going to talk about next, which is the under 21s. Oh, Um, look at it. So disappointingly, well, not disappointingly, but unfortunately the under 21s fell to their first defeat of the season, played against Leicester. And it was a a massive upset. I I was looking at the odds before the game. Leicester were were paying seven to one to win this game. They were um, sitting second bottom in the under-21s league, they'd picked up one win um, from their first five matches. Fulham at that point had been unbeaten in their first five, scoring uh, 18 goals in the process as well, but uh, got put to the sword. Um, and it's early goals as well. And, you know, we know what early goals can do in games of football. Um, Leicester opened the scoring through Marcel Madivadua, perfect pronunciation, who scored Beautiful. after five minutes. And then fortunately, a better pronunciation, Thomas, after nine minutes, uh, made it 2-0. Um, Fulham came back, though, with a goal from uh, John Asenga. He's uh, a young left-back who a lot of people may not have heard of. He's only 16 years old, playing in the under-21s. He had a really good season with the under-18s last year. And uh, I think he's played almost every game this season so far. I think he's made five appearances for the under-21s. Uh, maybe not every game, but I think he's played... He definitely played in some of the uh, cup games for them. and But just to see a 16-year-old making his mark, um, he scored with a free kick, uh, which was superbly taken. So a really good goal from John Asenga there in his first 
um, for the under 21s, uh, which will give them a lot of confidence going forward when you're playing that far ahead of your age group. It's, um, uh, you know, one to definitely watch for the future. Uh, unfortunately, Fulham couldn't find the second goal and uh, in pushing forward for the equaliser conceded to a, a 89th minute goal from uh, Ken Pennant of Leicester and um, went down. Sammy, a, a bit of a tough loss for the team playing against uh, Leicester again, actually, uh, on the 7th of, or the 6th of October, sorry. So uh, during the week that we take on Leicester in the Premier League Cup. Uh how do you think that's going to affect the guys who've obviously had a really good start to the season, had been unbeaten, had been scoring goals for fun, and all of a sudden um, get turned over by a team who, who you would sort of say were struggling so far? Oh, look, there's 38 games in the season. These guys are still young. At the end of the day, um, uh, with when, when you're flying as high as these guys are, I don't want to say you can fall into patterns of complacency, but I can... Like you can definitely play teams that are more hungry than you are in given games. Um, uh, at the end of the day, it, it always comes down to a little bit, in my opinion, who needs it or who wants it more. Um, and that can that can apply to a lot of things. You can it can apply to um, playing against a Man City that are just trying to be as dominant as physically possible, or that can be playing against Burnley in the back half of the year that are just fighting for their lives. So I don't read too much into it. Um, I think they maybe just caught us on a bit of an off day. Uh, I Again, I haven't watched um, these highlights, so I can't necessarily speak too much um, for it. I'm glad that we got at least um, one goal on um, the board after conceding two early on. I don't know, necessarily know what happened there. But you know what? Um, two goals that are essentially bookended. All that says to me is we had a shocking start. And then cleaned up a little bit in the middle and then uh, just didn't necessarily end the way that we wanted to. Uh, these games happen, you know. Um, if uh, <laughs> if there's a, if it becomes a dynasty where we can't beat Leicester at any given time, then I uh, would have more words to say about it. But you know what? I, can, I, I would probably see this as more of an anomaly than uh, a painful omen. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how we bounce back. It's, it's you know, we're playing them in the Premier League Cup. It's a, an evening game. Uh, it's, again, at Motspur Park. So, you know, it, it's going to be same conditions. I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of rotation. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how we do bounce back. After that, we play um, Man United after, I think there's an international break in October coming up. Uh, Man United under 21 who haven't had the best start to the season either. They've only got the two wins on the board. So, be really interesting to see how the boys do react to that because you know at, at this age it is when you're starting to learn um, uh, about the mentality as well and I, I hear a lot of people talk about um, how the difference between those who make it and those who don't is that mentality and it's how you do bounce back from defeats like this where you shouldn't be losing this game and I'm sure the the Fulham team know that as well um, but it's how you then go away take your time to really think it over and think about what you would do differently next time and then actually take that out onto the training pitch, work on those things, improve and come back next time. And, and you know, you want to see Fulham actually put six past Leicester next time and, and really bounce back from it strongly and send a message. Well, honestly as well, and I actually see um, a goal uh, early in the second half or no, middle of like the, sorry, middle of the first half 
um, as very, very promising because that kind of says to me that they didn't completely lose their head and were able to jump back into it. Look, we've, we've all been under 20. It's, it's a rough time. Mentally, you're going crazy. Puberty, all that good stuff. You know, it's hard. And uh, these, these guys are really, really young. Um, any other scenario, you go 2-0 down in a game against uh, a not necessarily favored squad, that's going to rock you a little bit. And then it just comes back to how well do you know the system? It's what we were talking about with Tia the other day. Um, how well you know the system, how regimented you are. And look, all these guys are going to be uh, probably elite level players in some capacity. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're not going to make a scandal here. We wouldn't do that. I'll make sure we, we send that exact message through just as a little soundbite to the, to the under 21 squad. Just say, it's fine. It's fine. It's maybe they can put that on loop while they sleep. It's fine. It's It's fine. Fine. It's fine. I'll get my gong out. I'll just like, (laughs) um, just get the, the rim, the meditation kind of stuff. Be peaceful boys. Be peaceful. Uh, good. Um, and interestingly, how you mentioned Tia there, who we had on as a guest last week, and um, a really great episode talking through um, the Fulham women's in a bit more depth. And that leads us perfectly into um, another chat about the women's team. And this is... Mate, uh, I'm the Segway King. What, like, what is this? What is this? This is just like, pure luck and coincidence. People would start calling this like fate now, I think. Mate, this um, is, is this serendipity? I think it might be. Now, we're covering this game, and those following along live is perfect for you, but the game actually kicks off in about half an hour's time. Um, so as we're talking about it, we're sort of in the run-up to the game, so hopefully we can we can give it a bit of coverage beforehand and talk it through. Um, I did have a bit of a chat with Tia during the week and asked her what she thought about this game, and it's a tough one. We're playing Stenning Town Community Football Club. They'd sit in the log- sorry in the league below us, and, um, you know, as Tia said, they don't know a huge amount about this team because they are in the league below. It's obviously uh, a little bit tougher when, when you're playing up in the Premier League. You have analysts watching game day videos and stuff like that. I'm not sure you're going to be getting the same thing from uh, effectively. I think it's the sixth division of uh, women's football uh, that Stenningtown play in. So um, they, they haven't had a bad season so far. Um, and uh, they did win in the previous round of the Cup to get through to this tie against Fulham. Uh, game's going to be at Motspur Park kicking off very soon. Um, but hopefully, you know, uh, if the girls actually just play their same game um, and, you know, do everything they've been doing in the league, this shouldn't be a banana skin for them in the Cup, and you, you expect mm. that we should be able to get a decent result here. Um, yeah. Sammy, your your thoughts on, on cup games just in general? We've talked about them a bit with the Norwich game, but does it sometimes feel like, uh, you know, you could maybe make a false move and, and underestimate your opponents? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a bit of a speed bump in your season. Um, it just... Just kind of depends on who's driving the car. It look it kind of depends on if you're trying to just get over that speed bump as quickly as possible. It kind of goes into are you just trying to party as hard as you can and just look to absolutely spank, go over that um, speed bump as hard as physically possible to impress all your friends, or are you just gonna approach it just 
kind of coyly because you don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know? Um, I got everything from Tia that I think the girls are in that bit of that city mentality. They just want to dominate. <laughs> they just want to um, play their system and score as many goals as physically possible. I think um, it would be a, a bit of a disservice to the girls to think that um, – uh, any team that they go up against at this stage, they can't be seriously, seriously competitive with. And I think they're just going to approach this game like they would against uh, a Watford or um, a Manchester or any any kind of... I think they're just going to assume that this will be a challenge and go in guns blazing because, you know what, what putting like six, four in the net in games. These these girls are playing to win. They're playing to really establish something. So, um, yeah, I could be completely wrong and we could um, get a massive upset. But I have, I have a lot of confidence that the girls are going to go in really, really firing. And that... Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter if it's a cup game or not. I think I think they've got I think they've got a point to prove in any capacity that they can. Yeah, and the team line lineup's just been announced. It does look like a very strong side as well. Uh, we've got Parker, Bird, Tagliavini, Southgate, Lambert, Manzi, Heisman, Dale, Adamson, Baron Clark, and Mendes all starting. And if you look back across the last few weeks, that. That's pretty much the same side that started most of the games. A few little rotations in and out uh, due to some injuries. Um, but it it sort of sends a bit of a message as well that we're not taking this game lightly. We're taking it seriously and looking to actually get the win on the board. So um, uh, we'll obviously cover this as well when we when we podcast next. But, um, yeah, please do um, follow along the Fulham FC women on Twitter. They do live tweet the games, um, which is surprisingly a very good way to actually follow along when you're getting those minute by minute updates um, and uh, in some depth as well, which is good. Um, it's good to follow along and see how many goals we score each week before we get to see the highlights later in the week. Um, and a big thanks again to the club for reaching out and helping us uh, cover the women's team in a bit more detail. Um, it's been great to, to get to know some of the girls um, and actually learn a little bit more about this side of the club, which I think everyone who follows Fulham should do as well. And um, really hoping that people can get down to a few more of the games as well, especially as the, we have this run of home games at Motspur Park coming up. Um, you know, we've seen the ticket prices that have been uh, announced against for the game against Manchester United. And when you just sort of take a step back and look at the fact that you can go and watch a women's game for, for a pound in some instances and, and five pounds at the very most at Motspur Park, it's, such a disconnect and um mm. sammy we will sort of segue nicely into that that was an accidental one but yeah. we should talk about the the ticket prices um it's it's tough for us being based over here and sort of knowing that we don't buy tickets we just stream games and um stream games legally obviously but um the, the fact is it doesn't massively affect us but i know that if we were living over in england um and and knowing what the the cost of living crisis is like for everyone around the world at the moment, even us here in yeah, Australia. It's um, it, well, no, it's it's not just England, but you know, it, the the fact is, it's it's felt all across the world. But when you see a club obviously selling tickets that they're hoping to sell 
effectively to non-Fulham fans and purely for tourists and people who go, I'd love to go and see a game of football and I get to see Man United. Let's let's see how deep people's pockets are. It just feels grubby. I'll be honest. I'm I know you're gonna I'm, be honest. <laughs> I'll put a no, I'm not I'm honest. I'm surprised where, you even asked me. I'm surprised you even asked me. I, I know. No this is where it. we say <laughs> Sam's Sam's thoughts and comments do not reflect those of the podcast. But, no, oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. But I'm uh, like just to be given the platform, it's it's uh it's it's I I feel like I'm winning my first Oscar, you know? Um uh, no, nah, but no, nah, but look in all seriousness, um I'm Look, the state of the world and the state of um, football is scary to um, say the least. I've I've often said that um, uh, capitalism and football are uh, largely one and the same because you can always see the parallels between um, one and the other. And I feel that when uh, one is drastically changing, the other one follows suit. And in a lot of ways, um, the game has morphed into something that we love, um, uh, into something very uh, grotesque. And I, I, um, John Oliver once um, coined the World Cup as uh, the hot dog effect when um, you hate everything that goes into it, but you still want to eat the hot dog because you love your team or um you you're you're we we by nature are attached to these clubs we can't help be attached to these clubs and um uh, some clubs that are significantly larger than us have the luxury on relying on their uh working class um fans and they relish that and they support that and that's usually ironically the bigger clubs and then when you have um, clubs like us, we get put in a position where kind of blatantly, as we're seeing at the moment, our owners are going, you know, we want a certain type of fan. We want a certain type of audience. We want a certain type of thing. And that alienates um, so many fans that this is uh, so tied to who they are, what they love for a lot of for a lot of people and a lot of yeah, just genuinely for a lot of people, um, seeing Fulham play has been something that they've always done. It's probably the best part of their week. And for them to be priced out of games is sick and horrible, in my opinion. But that I, the worst part about it is I'm just not that surprised. And I, I, would, I would love to say that I was, but I think um, uh, in order to own a club like this you have to have a, a certain amount of venom you have to have a certain amount of financial interest and um i think it's i think it's horrible that um it's kind of in inflation has taken such a turn that um for a lot of people they're getting priced out of things that they love and on i'm not even exaggerating it's getting to a point where it's do you go to the game or do you eat <laughs> genuinely because the the prices are so extortionate and nothing's really going down and um i could go on about this for a really really long time but my my sentiments is that uh, it i'm just really sad uh that we we're, we're seeing and again this this isn't the players this isn't marco silva 
it's the back rooms, it is the cons, and it's, yeah, you want to protect your interests, and you want to, um, we can convince ourselves that they're in it for the love of football and for the love of community, but it's clearly about profit, and this is a viable way for them, And but it just comes at the expense of people who love this club, and will just pay because they have to. And I, I think it's awful. Uh, very well said. Uh, I mean, it's, I think the point you make there where you, you say this, it's purely about profit, unfortunately. And unfortunately, you, you sort of know that there are people who will pay this price. And uh, again, unfortunately, I don't think they're Fulham fans. Uh, I, no, every not. Fulham fan would love to be at this game especially if you're a regular attendee to this game. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, why don't you just not, if you can't afford it, just don't pay t- pay for the tickets. Um, and, and it's just such a terrible argument. If you can't afford it, don't pay for the tickets. The tickets shouldn't be unaffordable in the first place. Um, it's it's literally know, this- it's literally Hunger Games logic. It's like, why don't you just not buy avocado toast to pay for us and then you can afford a house? You know, it's it's bollocks bullshit arguments like that. Um, and it's it's a way of essentially going um, uh, and just really clearly going. Um, Thank you up until this point, and now we want these people here. And not you. And how awful is that? Because, you know what, we can dress it up a lot of different ways, but it really is kind of, we see value in this type of customer and you aren't that customer. Thank you for your service and move on. But the reality is you can't move on as a football fan. Um, you can't you can't change your allegiances because it's more convenient. You, We invest so much in here. I mean, I, I, I got to get up, get up at 5 a.m. and I'm doing a podcast about this shit, you know, <laughs> like and it's and it's just gone past 12, like my time. And there are so many people who have way more committed stories than that. Jack, um, not Jack, uh, Ash from FFC and me. Listen, listen to it, uh, their channel. But I, I seldom have I met somebody who's so committed and with so much love for this club and so much to offer. Um the club in general, just just through nothing else but just sheer passion and love, and for that to essentially be thrown back in their face a little bit. And Ash is just one person. They're, I'm sure if we reached out and did a serious deep dive on this, we'd find thousands of people where this is the best thing that they have, and it's and it and that's the reality of football. And unsickeningly, that just attracts the worst type of person because. Um, when you have people that can be taken advantage of in the economy that we have, you uh, invite um, your Bezos's, you invite uh, these terrible people that can take advantage of them. And I just think it's horrible. I really think it's horrible. And again, I'm surprised that you asked me about this because you knew I was going to say this. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it needs to be said at the end of the day. I, I, I don't think we agree on everything to do with um, the pricing and stuff like that. But in, in this case, I definitely do. And um, it's yeah like you say it's it's just horrible it's just it feels unfair there's there's so many Fulham fans who'd love to be at this game and they're just not going to be able to because they've been priced out of it and I just I it just feels wrong um and 
Look, we we talked about it offline. We talked about what you can do to to make your voice heard, and it's it's tough because, you know, how do you hurt a billionaire who has very very deep pockets, and mm. we know he doesn't really care that much if people don't like him because, um, he, he's he makes decisions all the time that that people don't agree with, and people get get in a, a bit of an uproar about, but it doesn't seem to affect them because they just keep doing it. I mean, they saw the backlash after the season ticket prices were announced. So they know that people are funny about ticket prices and then they come out and just, it's the most ridiculous price for tickets I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's outrageous. And when you compare it to, uh, you know, the very top level of sport here, I mean, we were talking at the very start of this about the fact that it's a grand final. I paid a ticket, paid for a ticket to the grand final that costs less than a ticket for Fulham playing Manchester United. Uh, mm. It's and that that uh, it's it's hard to put that into context for those who don't understand um, Australian football or know anything about it. But that's the, it's the biggest. I mean, Victoria has a public holiday for the yeah. grand final. It's the biggest event in the sporting calendar, apart from maybe the Boxing Day Test uh, and the Melbourne Cup. Like the, these are huge, huge days. And huge games, and and the fact that a ticket to Man United costs more than that, it it just doesn't make any sense. Um, well, like even 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 for context, and like look, this 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 is a happy community here, and like I genuinely hope that the people who are listening, they come here f- for um a bit of relief, a bit of a bit of joy, a bit of passive entertainment, a bit of lighthearted comedy, and just a bit of just um you, me, and Dad just all hanging out and you are welcomed into that dynamic. Um, but uh, as long as we have a platform, I do believe that um, it's important to highlight things like these and highlight things that um, we don't feel are okay, acceptable. Because the reality is, if you don't highlight them, if you don't um, let them pass, and if you don't um, show discontent, if you don't show where at least you stand on a lot of these things, then they just get worse. And um, you know, we're criticizing something now and again, we were, I think we can put our hand up and we can say that we were complacent last season when this conversation was going around. But the more this happens and people don't say things and people don't put their hand up and say, I don't agree with this, this is distasteful, the worse it gets. And it's ticket prices now. And I don't want to know what the next thing will be, but there will be another thing. Um, so all, and again, this isn't affecting us. And I feel like that is very important to note. It's not affecting me. It's not affecting you. But um, it's affecting, if you're a Fulham fan, we love you and we support you. And uh, it's it's shit. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we need to say that it's shit um, because we need to show that we support you. Because if we don't, we're doing you a disservice and that's not okay. Yeah. And look, there, there was a lot of chat on on Twitter when the prices were announced from uh, all the other Fulham podcasts as well and, and the Fulham community. And it's good to see that everyone sort of banded together and was on the same page. Uh, the big question now is is what to do effectively. How to, how do you get that message across the club? You just um, keep making a lot of, Yeah, and a lot of people have, have made um, mention of, of going through the Fulham Supporters Trust. And I do agree that that is the right way to do it. But um, I guess what action do you actually take? I, I mean, my suggestion was... Um, rather than going to the Man United game if you can't afford it, and fair enough if you can't afford it because not many people can and have that kind of disposable income floating around, get down and support the under-21s, get down and support the women's, 
support the Fulham shirt, support support the Fulham badge, no matter what, and um, mm. get around the rest of the club. That's actually an affordable part of the club at that point. So mm. um, there, there's lots of options, and I, and you know, I think a walkout as much as it's it sort of sends a message. At the end of the day, you're still buying a ticket to walk out. Um, it doesn't actually make any kind of dent in a pocket. It just it's a bit of a stand, I guess, but I, I just feel like it doesn't send enough of a message. I mean, it's having hard, an empty it? stadium because no one buys a ticket in the first place, I don't think that's realistic because people will buy these tickets. Yeah. It's probably going to be a sellout. Yeah, this, this is the problem with um, football capitalism, all, all that sort of stuff. It's just um, we've clearly established what people want, what people love, what people need. Um, you can talk about football clubs, but you can also talk about houses. You can talk about so many things. Um, and, yeah, the reality is uh, that, you know, the reality is that, like, people will still go to this game because the love that they, they have for the club will outweigh um, the hindrance that it causes for now. Um, but you know, there's, there's so many other ways, as you said, to show your love for Fulham. I mean, like just, just the girls in general, like, I know we harp on about the girls all the time, but you know what, at the end of the day, if I can make every single one of, um, the girls, um, a superstar by the end of this season, I'm totally going to take that. And you know what, if it only costs a dollar to show your love for Fulham by supporting these women, support them because that's, that's that's a better thing than supporting like Tony Khan. And yeah, we can make the argument, of course, that like any kind of support of Fulham is supporting Tony Khan. But um, and you know, I don't even necessarily think it's fully Tony Khan. There, there's there's so many there's so many factors to things like this. It's just such a horrible, icky discussion. I'm just really sad that um, football is the direct um, what you call it victim of it, for lack of a better word. But again, it it just it just happens because we love it, and it's it's just bleak. It's just really really bleak. Well, look, I think we'll we'll probably end it there rather than because I like we could easily go around in circles talking yeah. about this over no, and over again. Right. And we do we do want to keep it positive because obviously we've got this game against Chelsea on Monday. It's a huge game for the club. Um, it, it really feels like it could be a bit of a turning point in our season. This is a kind of game that, where you might not get the result you're hoping for. Kind of felt like that against Palace as well, where you go in maybe hoping for a win, but knowing that it's maybe not quite that easy. Um, but a great time to be taking on Chelsea. And I, I think, you know, I, I hope that the stars are all, all aligned for us and um, we find our feet and do get a result and potentially make it back-to-back wins against Chelsea for the first time since 1977. Uh, there's okay. not not a huge number of fans around who'd actually remember those games, so uh, it's yeah, it's been a long time coming, and this is a really good opportunity to do it. So, fingers crossed that we do get uh, a decent result here. Look, I remember, I remember the weirdly actually, I remember last time we did this, it was you and me. I don't know why Dad's scheduling his holidays around this Chelsea game, but whatever. Um, but uh, I remember last time, I remember last time I did an impassioned plea, and I'm going to do it again because you know I don't know if any of the boys are listening. Um, uh, I don't, but I know that um, we have listeners who will be at that game who will be supporting these guys. And uh, if if you're not going to do it for yourself again, just do it for me because <laughs> I, I just hate Chelsea so much. And it's it's ripe for the taking. And oh, Raul, if you're listening, I have every faith in you. You can do this. And oh, just, just, it, uh, 
just just let something beautiful happen that should be beautiful you know like just 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 let us have it you know Ugh. it's quite interesting looking back through um previous results against chelsea and there there were little runs where we did get a couple of uh couple of wins in a row but it it appears and someone may correct me on this if i'm wrong but i don't think fulham have ever beaten chelsea back to back at home in the league that's admittedly that's a pretty i'm grasping at straws to pull a stat like that but um we we played against chelsea uh 50 60 70 almost nine, almost 100 times now and i can't see an instance where Fulham have won twice in the league at home back to back. We've we've done it back to back, but it's been in cups. Um, so we've had a league win and then a cup win. I don't think we've ever won back to back games against Chelsea in the league. So this this feels like the opportunity to do so, create some history. And I think the man on our screen for those live streaming, Carlos Vinicius, I really do hope he's the man who does it because uh, he'll write oh himself God. into folklore if he does. That you is know, a the statue. man scoring. That's a statue. Yeah. That can, that has to be a statue. Like there's no like he's already a cult figure, but if he's if he gets the winner twice against Chelsea, what like what what do you say about the guy? I don't care if he was shit when we first got him. Like he's just like do we buy like do we buy him an apartment? Like what do we do? Like do like I feel like a basket of muffins isn't enough if he scores twice against Chelsea and wins. Uh, he's 20, 28 years old. I think if he does that, he's signing up for a ten-year contract. Let Easy. him see out his time at Fulham with his feet Done. up on the on the balcony at the cottage and just sit there and watch every game and just reminisce about the time he nodded the ball in the back of the net to beat Chelsea twice in a row at Love home. Um, Sammy, let's wrap it up there. I'm reticent that it is past midnight for you and you've got an early start tomorrow. So I really appreciate you staying up. And um, unfortunately, we didn't have Dad tonight, although he's been commenting away on the uh, youtube live stream so um yeah thank you for for filling the void of two people tonight i really appreciate it no i do like the two people one like i like i like um whenever you and dad do it because then i just get to feel like i'm listening and i like i like um doing something like this because again it's just something a little bit new but no just thank you for having me um uh, i'm going to uh, it's late here but i still have promised paris that i will watch two episodes of what we do in the shadows so i'll be in pain tomorrow but um hopefully if the boys come through any ounce of pain will be well and truly um medicated and yeah no thanks thanks for being part of it and thanks for listening to me ramble about capitalism you know did you say you're, you're gonna watch two episodes before I, I i promise that you know i just don't sleep anymore like you've got kids but like i just got different priorities you know and like yeah it's uh, I'll, I'll just be a mess tomorrow <laughs> yeah just television just television that's the youth you know yeah fair enough sammy well look the um for those on our live stream the women's game is about to kick off get on twitter and follow along uh make sure you do interact with it as well because uh the more followers that page has the better i think uh, we can keep growing that side of the club um, but again, to everyone who's joined us, we, we thank you very much. Uh, please do continue to share our content on Twitter and keep us growing. We did tick over our one year anniversary and then a couple of days later ticked over a thousand followers on Twitter. So um, it's been a big week for the That's So Craven podcast and we really appreciate all the support as always. So thank you again and until next time, come on you whites. <laughs> <laughs>